I mean, sometimes I see things. I guess because I'm a ghost, I see ghostly things. Thought I saw something that wasn't there, but it was there. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 140, 140 of the Struggle Play Podcast. Something in the shadows, maybe it's the pharaohs coming to spread the light, cause the vision's so narrow, maybe it's the killers in the cut, with the barrels getting high but can't fly without the eye of the sparrow, fatigue and fatigue. Hope y'all don't mind, I rock out to some ghosts, man. You know he's part of my favorite group of all time, man. Come on, man. Come on. We got to feel the energy. We got to feel the energy for just a little bit before we start the show, because we got a good one on our hands. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Trying to make it through the struggle just to say it the least If they come and tell them come now Sunset, sundown I don't put my gun down and I ain't trying to run clown I keep something in the barrels Fully loaded up knowing there's something in the shadows As you all know, this is a podcast where I break down songs that embodies an artist's passion, pleasure, and pain, wrapped all up into one. They literally have to sing or rap like it is their last meal. And for this episode, we get a little gospel addition to it. And y'all know, I've done. I'm not mad at Jesus. You know, I'm not. I'm not mad at him at all, you know what I'm saying? Because it's all connected, you know. It's all divine intervention at the end of the day, you know. But before I introduce today's guest, the rules of the show goes for a first-time guest. Before we even introduce you, we got to take it back to the days where niggas was just rapping. Before they even did an interview. You know what I'm talking about, right? You know? You know what I'm saying? We didn't care about, you know, who you were. We wanted to know, you know, if you could spit something. Now, granted, I know you ain't a rapper. But I need to know if there's one verse that you could spit right now at the top of your head. It could be your favorite verse. You know what I'm saying? It could be a verse... You know, that you just memorized recently or whatnot. If there's one verse that you could rap right now at the top of the dome, what would it be? Right. Oh, uh, man. I'm a, I always mm. go with P.E., man. P.E. I'm going to go with P.E., bring the noise. I I, I can, if, if, it's, if it's my chance to get into heaven and God is like, yo, spit, give me 16. Oh, you got it right I'm now? It, Let's go. I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. All right, so base, how low can you go? Death row, what a brother know. Once again, back is the incredible, the rap animal, the uncannibal, the public enemy number one. Five votes at freeze, and I got numb. Should I tell him that I never really had a gun? But it's the wax, the Terminator X fun. Now they got me in a cell because my records ain't sell because a brother like me said, well, Farrakhan's a prophet, and I think you ought to listen to what he could say to you. What you ought to do is power for now. Play what the people say. It's the lyrical king of the miracle. Back is black all in. We gonna win. Check it out. Yeah, yo, come on. Here we go again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still love that. I heard that joint in seventh grade in 1987, bro. 
I'll never forget, man. Yeah, seventh grade, man. I heard that on the radio, man. We lost our mind with that beat. <laughs> Yo. Bring the noise off the less than zero soundtrack. I had the 12 inch, what I think it was with a A side or a B side with an R&B group, the Burning Flames. The 12 inch had Chuck D and all those coming out the subway. The six subway, yeah, bro. Like that, I remember everything. Oh, shit. Bring the noise. You hear that, you fake hip hop heads? You hear that? Y'all saying y'all know hip hop, but you can't even tell me the first verse you memorized. How low can you go? Death row. What a brother know once again back is the incredible rhyme animal, the uncannable thief. Public enemy number one, five folks said freeze. And I got numb. Can I tell them that I really never had a gun? But it's the wax that determined the X bun. Now they got me in the cell because my records they sell. Because a brother like me said, well, Farrakhan's a prophet and I think you want to listen to what he can say to you. What you want to do is follow for now. Power the people say, make a miracle. Keep up the lyrical. Black is back all in. We're going to win. Check it out. Bruh, I always I tell people that, the, bro, one of the problems that's wrong with hip-hop nowadays is so much music comes out, and so many people have lost have lost the art of digesting music. You know what I mean? And I got caught up in it, too, because every week, every Friday, 10 new albums come out, and you're trying to listen to everything. And then one day we was doing Apartment 5B, and we were talking about our favorite albums of the year. And I'm like, yo, I can't even rap along with... The album I'm saying is my favorite album of the year. I'm like, yo, that don't make sense. So I was like, yo, I gotta, I gotta chill on the way I listen to music. I was like, yo, if ten albums drop, each album gets a week with me. And if I really, really like it, then it goes to two weeks. And I'm just always gonna be behind on music. But again, bro, I challenge people. Like, yo, people be like, yo, this is my favorite album of the past ten years. Yo, kick a verse. They don't know it. Like, that was the fun part of hip hop for me growing up in the '80s was knowing the words how long we sat there and study came to big d-a-double-d-y-k and he like we spent days and weeks practicing these lines so when you was around your friends you could kick the whole rhyme and y'all could pretend y'all was tip and fife and we we don't do that no more because we digest music so quick i call it speed day and we speed date hip-hop now we ain't really in no relationship with hip-hop we just speed date it and i'm like for what to get on Twitter and be like, be able to talk about it for the first two days. Like, nah, that ain't, that ain't worth it. So for like the past two, three years, I spent a whole week with an album, like really just decide, do I like it? Do I want to give it a whole nother week? And if I really dig it, I give it a whole nother week. Really, really love it. I give it three weeks. So like I said, I'm always behind on music. Um, People like, yo, you heard the new sense? It's like, nah, bro, I'm still living with this joint over here. Like I'm good. Like, like it's almost like yo, if you if you dating a shorty and you really dig her, like yo, why would you be like, all right, sure, I gotta let you go call this other girl? Like, nah, like I enjoy your company. Like, yo, I'm gonna keep kicking it with you. I'll get to the other shorties, but right now I'm really enjoying your company. Why, if you enjoying somebody's company, would you kick them out? You know what I mean? And that's what we do with mm. our music nowadays. So, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, the homie Kill Kill. What's going on, my brother? Nah, man, everything good. Everything good, man. I, I I thank you for the invite. It's a blessing um, when people want to chop it up with you. So I just appreciate the invite yeah, on nah, your show. I appreciate it. So if you could just give these folks like a little elevator pitch of who you are, what it is that you do, please. Oh, man. Kill uh, from Philly, living in the DMV. I have a podcast, Apartment 5B, I do every week. We um, post it on my website, We'll Make Beats for Food. 
uh, every Monday. Um, during the day, the nine to five, I run teen centers in Southeast DC. Been doing that for mm. the past 21 years. Um, so in every, if you've heard of a bad neighborhood in DC, best believe I've been there. I've worked there. Um, just trying to pour into those kids and married 21 years, 16 year old daughter. I do marriage coaching dog. I'm like a hustler. I got, I do marriage coaching. I make beats. I do the podcast. I host stuff. I work with teens. I, bro, nah, I do you do, man. Yeah. Look, <laughs> yeah, look. It literally is like every day somebody I write scripts. I mean, I I, I try to do it all. Look, bro. you know, like, and and you are a, a one of my favorite follows on Twitter's. You know, an an, an aggravator, Thanks, but you. a necessary evil. I believe in necessary <laughs> evils. I believe in. Yo, and you know the funny part is me. And my man Jr. always gets on me. I honestly swear to God on my soul, I am never trying to start <laughs> any shit. Like honestly, and nobody believes me. I'm like, yo, I swear on my soul, I'm literally just saying how I feel. And most people don't do that. Like most people, and it's funny because after I start some shit, I'll get mad DMs like, yo, man, I agree with you. And I'm like, mm. say that on the timeline. <laughs> like, but. People don't feel comfortable doing that. You know what I mean? So, I mean, but I literally, people think I wake up and I'm like, okay, what shit can I start on Twitter today? And I'm like, I've never in my life. I'm like, dog, I, I just named like 20 jobs. Like, I I literally have too much work to do to ever be like, okay, let me go on Twitter and just say some wild shit to like, you know, get somebody's attention. Like, literally, bro, with the kids I work with, it's literally life or death. I'm one of my teens got mm. murdered what three weeks ago. You know what I mean? So going through trying to help his mom bury his, you know, bury her son. So I I got work to do out here. So the last thing I'm gonna do is be like, yo, rock him is over. <laughs> like, like I just want to talk some shit. Like, nah. Like, trust me. If, if I'm I'm like big. If I said it, I meant it. Bite my tongue for no one. Unbelievable. Like literally, that's that's the bar I live by. Like if I said it, I meant it. I'm not capping. I'm not dog. I got thirteen thousand followers. I ain't trying. To, I'm not no boy out here who's trying to like. Oh, let me say some shit so I can get more people. Half the time when I say shit that's not popular, I think I'm gonna lose followers. And it always amazes me that I gain like a hundred more. Like that's the most amazing thing to me. But that shows me like people really, really get behind what I say. You know what I mean? So that, yeah, that's nah. Look, I'm here for it all. You know what I'm saying? I'm here for thought-provoking tweets. I'm here for people actually living in their truth, because that's what that means. You know what I'm saying? When you're not taking your stuff right. back and you stand 10 toes down on whatever it is that you're saying right now. And, um, you know, another game that I like to play on this show for the first time guests is a game that I call Timestamp, right? Where all I do right. is just pull up their Twitter feeds and whatnot. And just read a little post. Right. You know what I'm saying? We go. We, right, Let's we, go. I'm excited. <laughs> I got no idea where this is going to go, but I'm good for it. So we just going to start off nice and easy and then work our way on up. All right? So right, this tweet comes from Tuesday, right? It's a good. It is a, it is a mild all one, right. you know, from, from the big homie. Where it just basically says, where you're asking... What's your favorite Benny the Butcher album? You know, because you said when we did Apartment 5B saluting Nas for his three album run, I said that hadn't been done since the 90s. One of my folks reminded me that Kendrick had an ill three album run. And how the fuck did I forget about Benny's three album run? So please, you know, go ahead and just take us into your mind into what 
what's going on. Um, well, number one, I'm 47. <laughs> I'm old as hell. And when you get old, you forget stuff. So when I was doing the podcast, I was like, man, this Nas, King's Disease 1 and 2 and Magic, like this three album run ain't been done since like the 90s. And people started correcting me, which I love. Like that's the number one thing. Like I'm never like, yo, I know it all. Like I love, I'm like, damn, you right. I forgot about Kendrick or Kanye or different people. So for me, Benny was just dope as hell. Like I got put on a Griselda like late in the game. I got put on with Reject 2. Um, and then I'd always, um, my, my podcast does ticket giveaways with the Howard Theater here in DC. So I was always at a Griselda show. And um, I remember Benny performing, opening up for Conway and like, Nobody, not that nobody was filming him, right. but they was there to see Conway. Like, this is probably 2018. So this is before Tanner Talk 3 dropped. Um, so, I mean, he killed it, but, you know, people weren't really there to see him. And I just loved to see the blow up. Um, a year later, he was headlining um, the Howard, which I thought was incredible. To go from one year, like, you're an opening act and nobody's really there to see you to the next year, um, you know, with TT3 out, like, and he's, and he's headlining it. And, um, like, to this day, one of the dopest moments in my life as far as hip-hop is concerned he's performing the plugs i met on stage and in a seat full of people this man sees me and says yo there go my man and i'm like then other dudes like yo what's up he's like nah 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 not you him <laughs> and my man like yo he talking to you he's like yo i see you on twitter talking hey. to like that was, that was my, and i got the footage of it so anybody out there who think i'm not lying i'm lying i got the footage but to me that just that showed me that my tweets really do get across to people. You know what I mean? Because it's like, yo, for a rapper to stop a show and, and see me in a crowd full of people and give me dap, like, I see you on Twitter talking your shit, you know, lets me know, like, you know, like, what I'm saying and what I'm what, what I'm behind is, like, really standing out. So, um, yeah, so I, I, I just was like, yo, let me, you know, pull out these Benny the Butcher albums and just see which one I love the most. But, um, yeah, Benny, Benny was on a dope three-album run. One of my yeah, man, look, I remember... Like, and I tell people that, um, you know, Conway, he's a little peeved, you know, that people are forgetting that, you know, they liked him first. You know what I'm saying? Like, the first time I heard of Griselda, I had to have been in school, college, around 2014, 2015, and I thought Westside Gun and Conway were a duo, you know, because they were the two. You know, it... yo. Here's the funny thing about West Side Gun. The first time I heard West Side Gun and Conway was on a um, yes. song called mm-hmm. Governor's Ball. I thought West Side was a girl. <laughs> I thought it was a girl. True story. First time I, I thought that was a girl. The another funny thing about voices. The first time I heard LLs, I shot you. I thought Foxy was Shaheen. So. It's just funny how people with specific voices like that you could confuse. No, no. Like, I was just bad. saying, man. Saying like. That. You know, West, I thought they were a duo, and then come find out, you know, I didn't get put on to Benny till Tana Talk 3, you know, till I heard Rubber Bands and Weight, you know, I was like, oh my God, I haven't heard something like this, something that authentic, you know, really being put on the internet mainstream since in a while, like granted, I listened to Rock Marciano a lot and i've heard a lot of you know my commies but yeah when i saw that i was like okay i feel that so here's another tweet that i love and it's gonna be the last one I'm, I'm ah nah man we all it's all love over here so 
this is a video of a grown ass man getting a beard put on him. <laughs> on on Twitter. No. And my favorite, I love the shit that you said. You said grown ass man cut this nut shit out in 2022 out here looking like a goddamn chia fucking pet shaking my damn head. And when I saw nut ass shit, I was like, yo, this guy's from Philly, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, bro. Yeah. 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 Um, That's one of the things, yo, Bree. one of the things I love about Twitter is that when you really interact with people and they get to know you, like, I love the fact that you know, anytime somebody's in Philly, it's like, yo, kill, where to go for cheesesteaks? Or that new um, show on TV that's new about the elementary school in Philly, they, they did a join. They were, they were talking about Philly slang, so it was like John and Ball and Art and you drawn and all this. And, like, mad people was hitting me like, yo, let me find out, kill, you were right on this show. So I just, I love the fact that when people see me or hear me, they, they, it's just like Philly, you know what I mean? Or like you said, the second you, you, you see nut ass, like that's, yeah. that's, that's Philly right there. But yeah, man, I, I don't under, like one of my homegirls on Twitter today was asking me about it. Like, yo, why are dudes that pressed to get beers? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, it, and it's crazy, bro. But the wild part is, is that like, I've had my beer for maybe three, four years now, bro. And Yo, I give. I don't know if you remember because you're younger than me, but there was a time on um, Saturday Night Live where Eddie Murphy did the skit where he mm-hmm. pretended to be a white man. He had the white makeup on and, like, you know, he went to the newsstand and the black guy left and it was just a white man and a white man. He went to go pay for the newspaper and the white man was like, nah, 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 you can take it. Like, it's cool. Nobody's around. You can yeah. take it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, you know, he got on the bus and he was like, yo, everybody's chilling and the last black guy got off and after the black guy got off all the white people like got up and they started partying and stuff like that so it's crazy because bro before i had a beard yo i've never gotten free <laughs> shit in my life like never i mean never bro in the past three years i've gotten so much Damn. free food it doesn't make sense like i'll go to the jamaican spot and show they'll be like nah nah sure, you got it i go to popeyes and people be like nah nah, nah that's cool shit. you good you, you good you know what i mean like bro here's the wild part i went to that the Apple store to the genius bar because my MacBook battery wasn't charging right and dude had a beard and we just started chopping it up, beard talk, you know, what what you oil you use. I was like, try this, do this, do that. Yo, dude fixed my laptop for That's free, love. man. But if I don't have no beard, there's no beard talk. So there's no like, yo, try to do this, or yo, why you know, how do I get my line higher? And I'm like, yo, do this and woo woo woo. So bro, it, it's crazy. And like I told my homegirl, if I wasn't from Philly. Maybe for point one second, I would think about getting a fake beard, but then I'd knock that shit off. Because, bro, how do you have a fake beard? Like, and, and mad people on Twitter are like, yo, women been doing it for years. And I'm like, that's cool, but that's women. I'm talking about as a man. As a man, how do you go into the barbershop, which used to be the black man's country club, and allow somebody to do arts and crafts on your face? Literally, you sit there and you have somebody put glue on your face, then pick up hair mm. to put on your face. I'm like, bro, I just and then pay somebody something like something crazy like $150 for that. Like, dog, you might as well let your little fucking kids <laughs> play on your face. If you just want somebody to draw and get glue and get fucking, you know, put hair on your face. I mean, it's just it's just showing you, man. And it's and it's sad that people, you know, just you know, we want what we can't have. You know what I mean? So 
you know, but I'm just not used to men doing it. I get it. Women have been doing it for years. People were sending me, I'm going to get you sucker. Like, you don't remember when this happened. I'm like, that's cool. I expect, I expect women, you know, to have wigs and fake eyelashes and, and, and content. I, I just don't, I wasn't raised like that. I was telling niggas, I was raised in the mm. Reagan crack era. <laughs> okay. So in the Reagan crack era, we were raised different. Like you just couldn't. That just wouldn't that wouldn't have flown, dog. If you don't have a beard, then I guess you just don't have a beard. Ain't nothing you could do about it, man. You know, try to get something else that could be sharper and better. But yeah, like so, yeah. I, I just I can't. And I used to be a barber. I used to cut hair. So like for me, I'm I'm really big on haircuts. So I'm always looking at you know I can, I'll be in the line at Chipotle and I'm like, damn boy, you like, messed up. Like you know like. It's just part. It's like it's literally in my DNA. So I can't see something. Um, and it's funny because man, women were replying to the post like, "Well, it looks good to me," and I'm like, "Okay, shorty, remember that when you running your man, running your fingers through your man beard, and you got you know pubic hair and glue on your fingernails now? Like, remember that, you know? Or don't forget when you at your boss's Christmas party and that nigga over there by the by the punch bowl and have his beard fall off in the punch bowl, and now all your coworkers drinking pubic hair." Think about it. I'm glad you think it. It always looks sure. good leaving the barbershop. I, I always tell people it looks great leaving the barbershop. What does mm. it look like two days later? That's, what does it look like two it, days that's later? That's when it really matters. Now, here's a tweet that I found that I was looking for, and I, and I found it. Thank the Lord. Because this is where we start getting, you know, into the back and into the healthy back and forths, you know. Right. Right. right I've always thought songs like Babyface as soon as I get home and Joe's mm-hmm. all the things your man mm-hmm. won't do were whack and corny because that's not how you kick game when I was coming up in Philly. Disagree? Yep. Now, obviously, you were promoting your episode, but I thought it was a fantastic, right. fantastic right. little icebreaker, you know, to get <laughs> folks a little riled up, man. Right. I mean, bro, I, again, it. this is what I've realized in life, man, and most people don't realize it, but age and where you were raised and how you were raised plays a big part in how we listen to music. You know what I mean? So, again, you know, when we're on Twitter, I, I call it like the mall phenomenon. Like, I, I lived in uptown Philly, and, and our neighborhood mall was Sheltonham Mall. And what would happen is the mall opens at 10, from 10 to 4, that's family time. Little kids, all that family you shopping. From four to seven-ish, that's when, like, the, you know, 12 to 14 kids can hang out at the mall. Yo, at 8 o'clock, it's now the 15 and older crew. Like, all the drug dealers, all the real wild dudes or whatever like that. And the thing about that was that nobody ever stayed past their time. You know what I mean? People understood, like, it'd be like, oh, time to go. Here, here, here they come. You know what I mean? So... You were never at the mall at the same time. On Twitter and social media, we're all in the mall at the same time, and we're all talking. When I was coming up in Philly, if I'm 13, 14, and and, and somebody 18 even allows me to hang around them or be around them, dog, I'm not saying a word. I'm just sitting there soaking up game because if I say the wrong thing, I'm getting either kicked out the crib or I may Mm. get punched in my mouth. You know what I mean? But now on Twitter, you know, we, we can say anything. So for me, you know, again... If I'm 17 when soon as I, you know, um, soon as I get home from work comes out and, and somebody's 10 years younger than me who's 37 and they heard it when you were seven years old, yeah, then at seven you probably thought that was the most romantic song in the world. But I need you to understand <laughs> that at, when I'm 16 and I'm coming up in Philly 
and I'm hanging around like drug dealers and stick up kids and, and, and these type people like dog, that stuff was corny. And the thing that I'm always like is like, dog, I understand where you're coming from. I never understand why nobody can understand where I'm coming from. Like, that's the part that kills me about Twitter, because it's like I get it. People have been on Twitter recently really talking about crisscross and that they're legends and they made classic albums. I'm like, whoa, slow crisscross them, them kids. But again, crisscross came out when I was 17. But somebody who's 37 jump. Probably you love right. that song as a kid. You know what I mean? Or I missed the bus. That hey, you if you missed the school bus, that probably was your anthem. You probably sitting around doing the crisscross dance. Like I missed the bus, but I'm seventeen. I'm listening to Naughty by Nature and OPP. I'm listening to songs about other people's <laughs> pussy. So jump and I missed the bus to me. That's corny. That's whack. So again, I understand how somebody younger than me could hate it. I just never understand how the people who are younger than me can't understand. Like all right, OG, I get it. You when you put it like that, I see why you, you you know you find that corny or whatever and, and we agree to disagree like i always tell people i'm not on twitter to debate you because to debate you would mean i want to change your mind i don't want to change your mind if you think crisscross are legends god bless you i don't care you know what i mean but i do want to discuss it i do want to know okay well what did crisscross do for you that made them legendary that's what i'm on twitter to do let's have discussions but i want to debate you but that see those are my rules but see most people on twitter mm-hmm. want to debate you they want to change your mind and I'm like, dog, you not. I, I said what I said again. I said it. If I said it, I meant it. You know. So, but I think that that baby face things gets people riled up because I think they think I'm calling them corny because I'm like that's corny. So I think people people who like that may say, oh, you calling me corny? And I'm like, nah, not at all, not at all. Like I had homeboys back in the day in high school who would do things like be ear hustling a girl like with her girlfriends and. Be like, here, and oh, your man don't call you every night. Then he go up like, yo, you know, shorty, you know, I really like you. And if I was your man, I would call you every night. And I'd be like, yo, cut that nut shit out. Like, don't do that. Like, don't do that, bro. That's not how you kick game. That's corny. If you want to get her number, then come up to her, say something slick, you know, do something. But just don't be like, yo, what don't your man do? And I'll Yeah. You know what I mean? But here's the thing. Boys who kick game like that may get offended. Of course. You see what I'm saying? They may be like, yo, that's how I kick game kill. So I'm call- you calling me cool? <laughs> you know, so, but you know, I, again, man, and and it's funny because that always gets people in an uproar. People be like, yo, you don't like boys and men. I was like, yo, they corny. Yo, this dude is talking to the dude with the deep voice is saying, I don't care if you was with another boy, just come back home. What? You don't care? You don't care that your girl was just with another dude? You just begging her to come back home? Get that nut shit out of here, man. I don't. And again. There are people who may have felt like that. That's just not That's, who I was running. Yeah, man. You know, so. Well, speaking of brought up, so you was, so was that P.E. Uh, single, your your first album that you physically bought? What is the first album that you physically bought? Oh, God. The first album that I physically brought, I want to say, is Run DMC's debut album wow. in 84. That was the first album. Like I physically brought, and that same y'all, I, I never forget my my stepmother brought me the Fat Boys first album. That was my Christmas present wow. for her in '84. Like, yeah, so like those. That's why I always say like that's my foundation. Like '84 is that foundation of um for me, Run DMC, the Fat Boys, LL Cool J, and the Beastie Boys, kind of slash Houdini. But like those five groups, I always tell people like. What's your foundation of hip hop? When we look at a desk or we look at a table and it has those four legs that 
that it stands on. Like, what is your foundation of hip hop? And for most people, it's like Common said, I met mm. this girl when I was 10 years old. Like for me, it was 84 and I was 10 years old. And that's when I fell in love with hip hop. That's one of the reasons I love, I used to love it so much. Cause I'm like, damn, yo, you too. Like you, this is 10 years old was when you got your start. Cause that's 84 is such a huge year for me. So I'm always inquisitive about like, yo, what was your hip hop foundation? Whatever year you're born. Somebody may say Kendrick, J. Cole, you know, Drake and somebody else was their hip hop foundation. You know, 20 years from now, they'll say that. Or somebody else may say, yo, I was, I, you know, my foundation was Black Moon and uh, Smith and Wesson and Tribe, and, you know, KRS. And I'm like, okay, you probably was around 10 and 94, you know? So if we all go by that 10, you're 10 years old and you tell me certain groups, I can probably peg how old you are. If, if that 10 year old, you know, that 10 year old rule kind of holds firm for people, but yeah, yeah, definitely DMC's first album, man. I remember, I could tell you a funny story about, uh, an interesting story about Run DMC and that foundation right. to hip hop. So for me growing up in the, in the Shah, uh, which I got to salute you for because y'all, y'all are. Nah, wild man. Out there. That's y'all. Yo, <laughs> yo <laughs> Chicago, yo. I, I want to come visit, but my ass is staying downtown and far. Yo, usually when I go to people's hoods, like I went to LA a couple of years ago, I was like, yo, take me through Compton. Take, take. I'm not fucking with y'all. <laughs> people, man. I, I do not want to see no parts of the hood with y'all. So I just salute you for being able to still. Oh, appreciate it. Well, well, I was blessed and fortunate more than others, you know, in terms of having, you know, both parents in the household. You know what I'm saying? I ain't claiming I ain't repping nothing. But, you know, um, I've seen seen a lot of real things, you know, but I've I've made it graduate graduated from high school, college and whatnot. And that's amazing, bro. That's that's not. Yeah, man, because I know it's not easy, man. I. Dealing with my teens is not easy, man. Even when you have both, you have both family, both parents in the house, like it's just such a challenge to have to try to stay mm-hmm. away from everything that's outside your door every single day. So I just oh, thank you for that. Man. I appreciate I really that, man. You know, my dad, my pops is the main reason why, you know, I'm into rap, you know, and hip hop and all, because it literally started with, um, me being about 10 years old, right? Nine, 10 years old, like you said, like you, you, you about right. Yeah. Me doing a, a talent show where we were rapping a song about saving the whales or something like we had to do it for a school project <laughs> and we flipped right. it off of Eminem's The Real Slim Shady. You know, so we over here, I'm Slim Whaley, yes, I'm the real Whaley. All you other Slim Whaleys are just imitating. And let me tell you something. My dad is from Southside Jamaica, Queens, all right? So when he okay. heard me, okay. you know, not only flipping a whale song, you know, off of some Eminem stuff, and then me telling my dad that Eminem was my favorite rapper, oh, my God. He could. He lost it. You know, he was like, I'll be damned yeah. if a white boy, you know, becomes my son's <laughs> first favorite rapper. You know, like my dad swears he knows KRS-One. He calls him Chris, you know. He, he was like, yeah, man, me and Chris. So next thing you know, he over here pulled out the pulled out the whole tape deck on me. You know what I'm saying? That's Got the cool. rock, pulled out the rock, Kim. 
you know, it's like, this is, this is real hip hop. We ain't going to be listening to no white man. They're already raping and pillaging, you know, our music. And here you go, singing along to their tunes. And literally every time I'm in the car with my dad on the weekends, we listen to Rakim, we listen to Run DMC. Like he literally programmed me to the point where as a Chicagoan, I didn't want to wear Jordans. I wanted to wear Adidas mm. because of Run DMC. You know, like he literally, you know, going repeat, replay, Pandora. When Pandora was hot, you know, it was just strictly the Run DMC Pandora radio station. You know, right. but I'll say like my first time truly, truly, truly falling in love with hip hop was hearing the Nas Made You Look remix, you know, with Luda. Mm. Because Luda was always my favorite as a kid because he was fun. He was exciting. He was energetic, animated. But I always told my friends, I said, guys, Luda actually has bars. And then when I saw him hold his own with Nas and Jada, who's like my favorite rapper of all time, I was that's when I was sold. That's when I was hooked. Right. You know, I saw the, I saw him do that. I stayed up, you know, till 2 a.m. watching BT Uncut, you know, watching Nas doing doing the whole Godson, you know, release album release party and playing that remix, you know, doing it live, performing it live. And the next, you know, it's a music video. And that's like, oh, three. And then what? A few months later, I hear this man who goes by the name of Jay-Z is allegedly retiring so next thing you know, I buy the black album. You know, right. <laughs> I remember saving my saving my money because I used to sell mixed CDs to my high school, and for a dollar a piece, and I saved that up just so I can get the black album. That's dope. You know, that's, that's crazy dope. to me. So yeah, it's it's always a moment in time where you love it, and then I didn't even know that the man who was producing the black album was from my city you know what i'm saying kanye west right so i was just like this is it and then a year later we get we get uh through the wire you know and like so i always say i don't i don't claim my my generation of rap and hip-hop um it's not the drill movement you know it's not the drill chicago it's the right. kanye common and lupe you know <laughs> like common second run you know what i'm saying not the first right. run you right. know so that's interesting and it all started with me wearing adidas because of run dmc all the way up till i was about 21 you know because i was just like jam master jay's the coolest you know nigga alive you know what i'm saying <laughs> to right. me at that time i thought he was so damn cool so it's interesting that you say that you know their debut album was the first album that you bought from them that's a little yeah, man, Run DMC, man, in 84, those was, that was it. But I'm just like your pop, man, when when 86 came and Criminal Minded dropped, that's another album that changed mm -hmm. my whole life. Like, Criminal Minded, and by any means, like, those two albums, like, I, I was the biggest BDP fan in the world at that point right there, man. Man. So, you know what I mean? I, I definitely understand. <laughs> yeah, nah, was there was no way he was going to let my favorite rapper, you know, <laughs> be a white boy. I thought... <laughs> And the funny thing is, bro, that's another thing I owe, and I don't mean mm -hmm. to people, because we, we get into, I forgot how it happened, but this comes up like once, twice a year, and it's like, that whole Lord Jamar, white people guessing yep. hip-hop, and I'm always like, nah, they not guessing hip-hop, you know what I mean? And, and people 
Like, I get hell for it, but I mean, I always tell folk, you know, if you do the history, if you, and me and Naomi, like my daughter who's 16, I've been schooling her to hip-hop since literally the day she got home from hospital. We were watching Wild Style one night, and she, like, bugged out. Like, she was like, Daddy, it's white people there. And I was like, oh, yeah, white people, you know, they was doing graffiti, and, you know, they was, you know, they were doing more so graffiti than anything else. But, yeah, white folk was there, you know, when hip-hop mm-hmm. started. So, you know, it bugs her out. And, like, when people are like, you know, white white people should be guessing hip-hop, you know, my big thing has always been, you know, I never, I can never say all. I, ne- I never try to say all or always or every or things like that. You know, because when I say white people aren't guessing hip hop, people will kick back and be like, well, look at how they, you know, how they stole the music from black people. And I'm like, well, yeah, but I'm not talking about those mm-hmm. white people. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not talking like, you know, to me, there's good people in this world. There's bad people. Yeah. I just want good people around. You know, I know great black people. I know horrible yes. black people. <laughs> like, again, I grew up in the Reagan crack era, bro. I had friends not only selling drugs to their mothers, but having sex with they mother they friends mothers because they mothers didn't have money to pay for the drug mm-hmm. you know what i mean so that's where that's the era i'm from so you know what i mean that i know good white people i know bad white people so i just i never like you know for things to get clumped like that like oh all white people um and we were we were doing apartment five b on twitter spaces and my man malik who's from philly he was fighting me too for now with and i was like malik who shot at my house when i was 16 <laughs> black people yeah. okay yeah. <laughs> So according to you, you can't be cool with white people because what they did to the record industry and slavery, well, to be honest, well, I guess I shouldn't be best friends with you because you're a black man. And it was black men who shot at my house. You know what I mean? So that's what I'm just trying to say. Like, you can't. And if that was the case, I've been robbed by black men. So if that's the case, then I shouldn't have went to Morgan State or HBCU. I should have went to a predominantly white school because... You know, it's like, oh, well, black men robbed me and they shot at me, so I don't like any black men, so let me stay far. Nah, it's kind of like it was those dudes who did it, you know, but I can't throw in this the same thing with white folk. And whenever I do that, bro, mad people, like, seriously, mm. bro, mad people unfollow me. Like, literally, and I'm like, good. I'm like, good. Again, I'm not here to get followers, but it's always shocking when it's people who, like, I've had conversations with and who I, this last time about the white folk stuff, I was shocked at. You know, a lot of people, because I would go to, like, maybe tag them in a post, and I'm like, why isn't their name popping up? And then I go to their page, and I'm like, oh, damn, they unfollowed mm. me. Like, okay. Like, you know, and these are people I chop it up with. Like, people, some of them are people who, like, if I was in your city, I would have yeah. died at you. And it's like, yo, you know what? If, if you feel that way, that's all good. I'd rather, you know, I'd rather you unfollow me, because I'm just like, you know, when you do the history, white folk have been helping black folks since the beginning of the time. There were white folk out there fighting with us in the 60s. There were white folk out there helping us with the Underground Railroad. Again, I'm not capping for all white people because they're all not good, but some of them are, you know? So I, 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 that, that's something that always, always, always starts off. It always does, man. It always does. And you know, the thing that I do love about you, so you went to Morgan State? Yeah, I went to Morgan and Baltimore. That's what's up, man. That's what's up. Yeah, I went to Grambling, so that's what's up. Oh, word? That's, <laughs> yo, the funny thing is, bro, I was just talking about grandma with my wife the other day because, you know, I don't know, back in the 90s, they had these um, sweatshirts that kind of like were threaded and they always had the black school. Yeah, but I know what you're talking about. And mm-hmm. I, and, yeah, and it was funny because I could never find a Morgan one, which was crazy to me because I'm like, I'm in Baltimore and I can't find, and the only one I could find was grandma. So I used to rock that grandma sweatshirt <laughs> all the time. Like I went to grandma because those shirts were just so dope in 92. So it was like, yo, you just, 
it, even if it wasn't just school, you just yeah. wanted one. And my joint was the Grambling joint. So that's what's yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, great, great, great times, you know. So it's always good to hear that. So let me ask you this, because you are a family man. You know what I'm saying? Something yes, that I respect personally, you know. And then you're also a community man as well. But I need to know, like, what is the most non-hip-hop thing that you've done lately? Like, for me, for example, um... Mm-hmm. I just moved back to Chicago, right? Uh, since the mm-hmm. in the summer, I've been gone since I graduated, but I lived in Denver for a few years, and I was the biggest farmers market guy ever. You know, <laughs> I just couldn't. You know, like it just hit different. You know, getting your your fresh right. fruits and vegetables like that will always be the most non hip hop thing you know that I've done. But what about you? Right. I would say the most non-hip-hop thing I've done is play this game called, um, oh my God, what's the name of this game? How to, to Hunt a Killer. Mm. To Hunt a Killer. And what it is, is I've always, I love mystery. Like ever since a little kid, like I always loved playing. Clue was my favorite board game. I always loved the Who Done It movies. And basically it's a game and they give you like all the clues. They give you the suspects. Like you, you literally have to straight up and down like, it's like a war room. You got to be like, yo, read this note. And you got to like look for <laughs> anything in the notes. So here's the, here's the autopsy report. Like, you know what I mean? And then the dope thing is if you, after you win that, like, and I mean, it's really interactive. Like, yo, here's the number you got to call. Like, yeah, you know I mean, like there's just a number, like one of the clues was just a phone number. And Naomi was like, yo, should we try to call this? I was like, sure. And then like, that was part of the game. So you never know what, you know, it's part of the game and what's not. And, like, we love those joints. Like, I got the monthly subscription. Every month we get a new game <laughs> sent to us. So that's probably the most non-hip-hop thing. And, and it's funny because I shouted it out on Twitter. And I was like, yo, if you buy this game and you don't like it, I will give you a free beat. I think people thought I got hacked or something because that's how much I love this game. That I'm literally like, yo, you buy this game. You, like, straight up and down, swear to God, you – you thought you thought it was whack, like yo, my nigga, I'll give you a freebie. Like that's how much um, I I love the game, and I want to shout it out because one of the things we do in the hood at my teen center is we have a family game night where you know the whole family has to come. The family, you know, the kids, the parents, oh, aunts, uncles, whoever lives in your house, everybody has to come, and we play bingo all night. And then we also do when my staff uh, we play we have spades nights where my staff will play the, the community. You know, and of course, this was pre-COVID and prayerfully we'll get back to it. But, you know, I wanted to like big up this game because me, TNA have so much fun playing it that I really think that this could be something that more families can do together. Because, you know, most of the time when we everybody together, everybody's on their phone. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you're not really doing anything together. So I really am trying to promote like, yo, this is a, if, if you like mysteries. Now, again, if you don't like mysteries, then I'm not giving you a free beat. But if you like <laughs> mysteries. If you buy this game and you don't enjoy it or you and your family don't have a good time with it, then, you know, I definitely. But that's how much I co-sign it, because I really want, you know, people. um, It's a blessing to be called influential on Twitter. One thing I love about me is I don't give my titles. Too many people on Twitter be like, hey, I'm the hip hop educator. And any title that you see in my Twitter bio was given to me. Like, I don't I don't give myself titles. That's not the era I'm from. It's like playing ball at Rucker Park. Like you don't go to Rucker Park with a nickname like you get a nick the, the announcers will give you a nickname if you're nice enough. true you know what i mean so that's kind of like how i am so you know because people say i'm an influencer it's like 
that's cool. Like that, that's great that we can have these conversations about hip hop. And that's great. I can influence you to buy that album. Can I influence you to go to the doctor? Mm. Can I influence you to, you know, spend more time with your kids? Can I influence you to be committed to your wife? Can I, how else can I influence you? So, you know, even with apartment 5B, once a month, we do a, a show that deals with health issues. Cause you know, I'm real open about all my health issues. So, you know, we, we do that. So, you know, I'm like, again, you know, Jay Rue said in the song um, on a group home album, he said, now that we have, um, now we have a voice to say something, say something, you know, and like that always stood out to me because it's like hip hop, you know, we're, we're worldwide. And it's like, what are we saying? Like, what are we, what are, what are we, how, what are we getting across to people? So like I always tell people, it's great. We can talk about hip hop and sports and all that, but let's talk about real life. Let's talk about you getting that you know, uh, check up with your doctor. Let's talk about you getting that colonoscopy or let's talk about, you know, what we need to do to make sure we, we, we're well and we're, you know, we're good to keep talking about hip hop and having these jokes every day. Cause the sad part is I probably lost about five or six people on Twitter, you know, that I was cool with, you know, um, I've been on Twitter, I guess, 13 years. And it's like, it is bugged because it's just like, man, you know, you really don't know them. Like, I don't know who to reach out to, you know, because we just was cool on Twitter. You know what I mean? But yeah, you know, so we we just got to take care of ourselves, man. So, no, yeah. that's that's the truth, man. And you know, going into the song that we're going to break down for this episode, the song that you chose, I was extremely happy. You know why? It's mm-hmm. I I was happy because you went outside the box, right? Right. And uh, this will be the third time I've broken down a gospel song. First time with Sounds of Blackness, oh. you know. Second okay. time which one? Which one? Um, you know the the, the, the main joint. Um, optimistic. yeah, optimistic. Yep. Yeah, yeah. You did that. I love that. I mean, that's one of them songs that I don't care what happened. If you play that, I'm always gonna smile, even if it's just for a yeah. second. But I that that's an incredible, incredible. Yeah, song. man. And then I've done. I did that with the homie Baylor, and then with my homie Drea, we did Yolanda Adams. The battle is the Lord's. You know. Another okay. great song. Um, I call that like the ultimate miming song, you know. <laughs> okay. But this one right here that you pulled out, man, this that this yeah. that surrender yourself kind of music. This <laughs> that you know, yeah. lay it all down, you know, before it's too late. And I right. absolutely loved it. You brought me back to a time when church was a. Uh, was a weekly was not just a weekly deal, but like a like a Tuesday prayer night, Wednesday Bible study, right. Thursday missionary group, Friday prior choir practice, Saturday kids <laughs> choir practice, and then we go in the church yeah. on Sunday and go into brunch right after. You know what I'm saying? And the song that we're going to break down is Greg O'Quinn's. <laughs> I told the store.
I love it. Thank you so much. It literally when people do this stuff for me, it, it gets me excited because it puts me in a lane in a space that I don't typically tap into on this podcast in particular. But I'm always open and I'm always welcome to talking about gospel music because it has played such a key role into my life. I was always the kid that was all in the go- all in the choirs, you know, all by the pianos, all by the sound systems from as, for as long as I can remember. So why did you choose this song? What does this song do to you? Uh, I I, cho- I chose this song because man, it is probably top five gospel song ever for me. It's actually a first gospel song. When I say when I say I learned it, what I mean by that is like I didn't come up in the church or anything like that. When I started dating my wife, um, you know, I started going going to church with her. So you know, we'd be in the car on our way to church, and she was like, "Yo, I love this song. Like, listen to this song." So like. That's how why I always say like it's the first gospel song that was like that I listened to. You know, of course I heard Kirk Franklin. I mean, you've heard B B C C, but you know, it was the first song that like I listened to. Like I listened to the words and like I learned the words. It's almost just like you know me saying when um Kango Kid recently passed mm-hmm. away. You know, and I was talking about the importance of UTFO and that Roxanne Roxanne was the first song that I learned the entire you know, words, <laughs> you know, um, as it did in 84. Um, this is like the first gospel song that I learned every word to. And that like, I could honestly say like, yo, I love, you know, this song. So, you know, that that's why I picked that joint. And, and because it's got me through a lot of, of crazy battles, man. You know, 47 again, out of Philly, the Reagan crack era, I'm not supposed to be mm-hmm. here, you know. Um, so, you know, it's definitely got me through, you know, 21 years of marriage. You know, it, it's, you know, it's got me through all of that. So, you know, yeah, that's why I picked this. Track. Yeah, man. So, so for me, I remember hearing this song for the first time. Uh, it, I was traveling with the choir. And it was like one of those choir conferences. And the woman who sang this song sounded just like the woman, you know, on this joint, you know. (laughs) I was just floored, amazed. I've never seen an entire room just be moved by it. You know, like that was the first time I've ever seen like an overwhelming presence, you know, of the spirit, you know, just off of someone's voice, you know. And it's so simple. In the sense where all you need is just some pianos, you know, voices. But the key, the unique part of this song that I love and most of my listeners know that I, my favorite instruments will always be the fillers, the the guitar riffs, the bass. You know, it just, it just right. always fills in a gap or a void in a song that you never know. You know what I'm saying? Like when you think of... Billy Jean, you know what I'm saying? Or when you think of any kind of Prince song, you know, and literally one of my favorite people um, that I used to go to church with was a guitar player. So I'm listening to this and I'm just now looking at it as a 30 year old man. And I'm just like, yo, I I appreciate the musicality (laughs) that this song is giving me right now. You know, I, I, I appreciate the intricacies and the effort and then just obviously 
being yourself, not being so technical at the same time, because this song is literally just talking about facing your fears, your insecurities, your challenges, literally trusting that you will be fine, trusting, you know, that you are in God's hands, trusting that no matter what obstacles or what things may happen in your life that is supposed to happen for a reason, you know, that's why the beginning will always be my favorite moment for this song because right. it's it's literally it sucks you in the minute you hear those pianos in the minute old girl starts harmonizing what's your favorite moment from this song oh man every everything i mean it's funny because i, I i'm so hip-hop like it's literally in my dna i can't separate it and i always we did an episode of apartment 5b about the art of how and this how to set off a song you know what i mean and, and that's such an important piece and to me that's across the board so like um you know when 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 still says i walk around town with a pound strap down on my side no front just in case i gotta smoke something from bucktown or, or buckshot um come come follow me come with it come follow me on the journey that see up a real mc so i'm always about how do you set a song off and the way she sets it off with you know even though your winds blow you know i want you to know you caused me no harm because i'm safe in his arms like you that like you kind of said it draws you in like you know what i mean because my pastor would always say, you know, if you don't feel me, just, you know, keep on living and you'll get there. We're gonna go through so many storms in our lives you know what i mean like i tell people i've learned you know that life is nothing but seasons so the same way we have you know winter spring summer and fall we have great seasons in our lives we have low seasons in our lives we have incredibly wonderful seasons on in our lives and we have incredibly really really bad seasons in our lives and the only difference is we don't know when the seasons of our life end you know we're able to say, oh man, I hate winter, you know, but then around April, May, you get excited because you know that season is over. We just don't, we don't know when that season is going to be over, you know, in our lives, whether it's unemployment, whether it's a death in the family, whether it's your health, like you really don't know when that season is going to be over. So, you know, just the, the whole concept of like, yo, I told the storm, you know, too many times I feel like we get in situations and, you know, we have a pity party and we get stuck in the storm so i just loved it saying like yo i told the storm like it won't last like you know go away basically you know and understanding that you know yeah you may be in the storm but you don't have to you know succumb to it you know what i mean if that makes sense nah man you got me you know thinking because literally um if we're just relating this to hip-hop one of the reasons why jada kiss is my favorite rapper is because i feel like the first two, his first two bars are always something, you know, that sticks to you. Whether if he's saying fuck the frail shit, you know, like you, yep. you feel that. Or when he says, when I think of you, I think of a problem. 
like who, what, when, and how are we going to solve them automatically revolver. And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, I can't even, I can't yeah. even like deal like, Kisses yeah, yeah like attention grabbers. You know what I'm saying? This is what we're taught, you know, when we're learning how to write, you know, we're learning what words to say. And then with me, we specifically working in the news per se, we're learning we're, we're trained where it's embedded in us to find a way to draw the viewer in, to bring us in and keep them, you know, because we're, we're, we're on the trip. As soon as she hooks you in, right. You, you, like you said, we're going from her just literally telling this storm, like you're not going to defeat me. You know, you're not above me. I'm strong enough. I'm stronger, you know, Storm, you've got to cease. Like that's that's yeah. my favorite lyric bar, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> because <laughs> right, right, it's right. literally like not just saying, telling yourself that you're going to outlast this pain, this hurt, this hurdle, this giant boulder that you can't get around from, but you got to go through. You know, in the middle of the storm, so you're just literally taking charge of your own life, your own destiny, you know, whether if you want to say that you're the master, you know, of your fate, captain of your soul, whatever you want to call it. She's literally right. just like commanding, you know, <laughs> taking the power within herself, taking it above herself to be like, this is mine and I'm in control. So like, what's your favorite lyric in this song? Um, I think the big, and, and I mean, it is so simple, but, Go away. I command you to move today. And, and again, it's just it's just coming from that place of, you know, like, again, I always tell people, you know, people be like, oh, and it's funny on Twitter because people like will try to insult me like, oh, nigga, you just old. And I'm like, bro, that's a blessing where I'm from. like, sorry, I ain't get shot in my head when I was 18. Like, like, I'm like, or even when I'm around people and it's like, oh, man, we get old. And, you know, people like, man, I'm like, look, bro, it's only two choices. Get old or die, <laughs> you know, so. I'm a, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get old, but as you get old, you know your health isn't gonna be the same. So you know I have a disease, fibromyalgia, which kind of affects my joints and bones. And maybe just um, maybe about two or three years ago, you know I started you know getting medical marijuana and I started feeling better. You know I lost 50 pounds, got back in shape. You know, and then like out of nowhere, one night my left arm and my like two of my fingers on my left hand are like numb. And I'm like, yo, what, what, what's going on with me or whatever like that. So I go to the doctor patient first. They're like, yo, making sure I ain't have a stroke or a heart attack and come to find out I have scoliosis. Mm. You know what I mean? So it, it kind of was like a, a defeatable moment. Cause it was like, Oh, come on God. Really? Like dog. I just, then I've struggled with fibromyalgia for 15 years dog. Like, 
and and the way my doctor, my old doctor, um, would always describe fibromyalgia, he said, you either feel like you have the flu every day of your life, or you feel like you're nine months pregnant every day of your life. And that's how you feel Mm. every day. So the amount of pain that I'm in every day. So it's like, boom, I'm finally done with that guy. 15 years. Like, that's a hell of a season. And I feel good for a year and a half. And now scoliosis, like, yo, you got to be playing with me. Wow. And and for me, like, it's like, I, I tell people, have your pity party. But, you know, give yourself a time limit to have that pity party. So, like, I literally got my car, cried, screamed was mad at God. I was like, but yo, when I get to my team center, that energy now becomes, okay, well, how do we beat scoliosis? Like, I I, I, I won't say I beat fibromyalgia because I'm still in pain, but nowhere near the pain I used to be. So so have that pity party, but too many folks stay in their pity party. Exactly. You know what I mean? And that's the problem. Like, I'm never that person. You know, I used to hate when church folk, and there's a big difference between Christian and church folk. Right. So I just want to say that. So when church folks, somebody will die and church folk will be like, oh, you know, don't mourn them. You know, they're in a better place. And it's like, no, let let, let folk mourn. Like, you know, now you don't want to mourn for the next 20 years of your life, exactly. you know, and get stuck because I've seen that happen. But you do want to give yourself that that time to do it. So, like I said, just like with these storms, like this song has helped me kind of understand that, you know, you don't have to stay in your pity party. You don't have to just be the victim because sometimes in life we will play the victim you know we'll talk all this tough talk and if nigga did this and if that happened but then when life kicks your ass then it's like now we now we want to punk up now we want to you know we don't want to go out there and fight the battle it's just like oh you know i got this disease and let me just fall back and wilt you know what i mean so yeah. um, that's why that's my, that's my favorite part of the song just go away you know i command you to leave today because you know i always tell people and, and it's a great story that i've been able to help people see differently it's like the story of job because the great thing about Twitter for me is that, you know, I tell the good and the bad. And I'm always challenging people to do that because social media has become this place where people get depressed because all people talk about is all the good in their life. You know what I mean? And they never talk about the bad. You know, the, you, you go on Instagram, you see people, my new car, new house, new car, who this? And it's like, but they ain't telling you that they about to get kicked out their house. And they're, <laughs> about to they're not telling you that. And again, you got the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm not saying you got to share the ugly, but share the bad just so people can understand. Like, I, I share my bad because, one, I believe in the power of prayer. So, you know, you know, with this scoliosis, I got to get these epidural shots in my back, which I hate. And, you know, I'll tell people, yo, I get an epidural today, put up some prayers for me. And then, two, I want other people to know who have health um, issues and things like that. Like, yo, you're not alone. Like, that's a huge thing. I mean, I know for me back in middle school, when I would fail a test, I'd always be like, who else failed? Because I never wanted to be the mm. only person who failed. And then the second, I don't care if I just found one person, I felt better. Like, whew, okay, I ain't the only person who failed a test. So you have a lot of people out here who have health issues who, who and they don't talk about it. You know what I mean? So it, it's kind of like, you know, you, you, wanna, you want people that you can kind of chop it up with. Like, I love the fact that I could be on this podcast this week. And last week I was on a, a podcast about fibromyalgia mm. with the health podcast. Mm. And, you know, so... Long story short, that's why I love that, because, you know, we just have to learn that, you know, we may not control the storm, but what we do control is how we how we operate during the storm.
No, that's that's true. And I love the part that you said during that whole, you know, explanation was when you were talking about essentially allowing yourself to feel these emotions, you know, this hurt, this pain, this sadness. But the trick is, is to not get stuck in it. That's that's something that I have been literally saying since I've started this pod, which I started the very first day that I met my therapist. You know, she told me she was like, the trick is, man, you got to allow yourself to feel all of these emotions, but you can't get stuck in it. You know, that's the that's the trick, because it's easier. It's easy to get stuck, you know. And that hurt, that sadness, that anger, you know, it's, it's easy. And it's something that we're not really telling our black men, you know, there's right. some young black men on top of that. Like I was literally telling, uh, <laughs> telling my nephew, one of my nephews yesterday, um, five years old, I, it's, I got a 10, it's, they're 10, nine and five and one turned nine yesterday and I took him out. For his birthday, you know what I'm saying? And the youngest, he was just he was just stone cold jealous. You would have thought I betrayed his whole life. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? He 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 was mean mugging me. You know, I felt tested and I just brought him. I was like, hey man, what's going on? You know, and I was like, it's okay if you're mad, you know. Let's be let's let's be mad, you know, let's be jealous, but let's not stay in this, you know. And I can just remember as a kid. You know, what's the saying? You know, boys don't cry. You know what I'm saying? Men right, don't right, cry, right. you know. Um, why are you crying? You acting like a female? You know what I'm saying? Like, right. all of these things that are essentially telling you not to be yourself. And then henceforth, it messes you up down the road. Whether if you're in a romantic relationship or if you're in a professional work setting and you don't even know how to express yourself. You know, all you do is lash out. You know what I'm saying? Right. Or shut down. Either or. So I really love that you said that because that's something that I've been saying <laughs> for quite some time right now. So I'm glad we we're, we're right here. I'm glad. I'm really happy about that. So let me ask you this final question about this song is how does this song make you feel? Oh, man. It, 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 it makes me feel like it's okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's like the big thing that it's okay. And again, like you know, um, you know, just through twenty-one years of marriage, I, I there would be times when we would, um, you know, we'd be fighting, and then you know, we would come to a solution, and then you know, something else would come up, and and then something else would come up, and it kind of helped me to understand. And, and from doing marriage coaching for probably the last fourteen years, um, is a lot of times we look at life, we we well. For marriage, we look at marriage different from life. Like, you know, we, we, we think everything's supposed to be perfect, but nothing else is perfect in life. You know what I mean? So why do we think, like, marriage was just a part of life would be any different? You know what I mean? So 
you know, when you're going through, we're, we're going to go through storms to me in every, every pocket of our life. So, you know, if you're married, you're going to go through that storm. If you have kids, you may go through that storm. If you're, you're working, you, you may be storm at work. There may be a storm within your family, maybe a storm, you know, within your health. So, you know, when you think of, when you kind of look at it like that, you could think of how many storms are going to be thrown at you. Yes. And sometimes at the same time, you know, there was a time when me and my wife both got laid off and, my health was horrible. Um, God, I forgot something else was going on. I'm like, God, yo, 20 seconds time out. <laughs> like, come on, bro. Like, yo, I can deal with the money, but come on, you got to ease up on the health. Or you got to fall back or be like, yo, you got to. Um, and, and one of my, my, well, not one of my favorite books of the Bible is Job. You know, and just it being like, you know, Satan coming to God, like, yo, what's good? And it's like, yo, you know, just, you know, when Satan was like, that, that, that book really helped me to kind of visualize and understand better, like, what this, this fight against good and evil is about when, you know, Satan is, like, talking to God and it's like, yo, you know, I'm just roaming the earth back, you know, roaming the earth back and forth or whatever. And God is like, yo, you see my faithful servant Job? And it's like, yeah, he only mm-hmm. rocked with you, though, because, you know, you, you bless him with money and everything. And he's like, oh, you know what? Take away his money. Let's see. Mm-hmm. He takes away his money and it's like, you know, he doesn't curse God. And the devil comes back to God and it's like, yeah. You see, you see, Job held me down, right? Like, yeah, but you know, you know, he, you know, it's because he's healthy. It's like, well, you know, mess with his health, but don't kill him, you know. Mm-hmm. So the thing that that book has kind of helped me with is when I go through things, I kind of imagine it being that story. But it's like, yo, have you seen my faithful servant killed him? Mm-hmm. Do you see what he's doing in the hood? Do you see the lives he's helping to help change on Twitter and and all the great things that he's doing? It's like, yeah, kill, he's good, you know, he rocks with you, but that's only because you know. He got all that low in Jordans. Take his job, take his job, and let's see. You know, okay. Okay, he's still praising you, but that's because, you know, he he helped you. Take his health. Okay, give him fibromyalgia. Give him sleep apnea. Give him prostatitis. Give him, you know, scoliosis. And it's like, yo, I'm still here. So it's kind of like that That song. I always look at things like um, in threes, like, you know, some people plant, some people water, some people harvest. So it's kind of just like, this song, I, I guess this song is the planning of the, because like I said, this is when I first got saved and first started going to church. It's like that, that was my foundation. So if I talk about my gospel or my church or my, you know, salvation foundation, definitely I told the storm is part of that foundation. Like that was the first seed that was planted to like kind of prepare me for the fights that I was going to have to fight. Cause I got married. I probably got saved at 25 mm-hmm. and I'm 47. So, you know, it's kind of like, that was like the first seed that was planted to kind of help, you know, guide me. And then the book of Job was, you know, another thing. And I, I a long time ago, I'm going to tell you some players and I'll tell you how old this is. But the sports psychiatrist was saying he he studied players and he said Jason Kidd's mentality. He said the Tim Duncan mentality is Tim Duncan will make a mistake on the court and then he's beating himself up four or five plays later. You know, so he's not going to be on top of his game because he's still beating himself up for the turnover or for that jumper he should have made. He said the Jason Kidd personality, Jason Kidd makes a mistake, and by the next play, he's already moved on. Mm. And it kind of, that article made me say, I want to be Jason Kidd. I don't want to get stuck and, man, why did I quit that job? I should have kept that job because the, it's like, hey, I quit the job, messed up, keep it going. You know what I mean? And, and, and kind of keep it moving. And then one day at Bible study, I was saying, you know, man, y'all always talking about David. What's good with David? He did all this evil stuff or whatever. And my man, I don't know if this is biblical or not, but it stayed with me. He said, yo, David never made the same mistake twice. Mm. And it was like, 
that right there was like another part of my foundation that may have been the harvest or the watering or whatever, but it kind of was like, that's who I want to be. So like, and that helps me with stress. Cause like, let's say you call me, you're like, okay, take me to the airport. And I go to your crib and you two hours late. Normally I'd be pissed. I don't get pissed no more. Cause I'm like, you know what? This will never happen again. <laughs> never be don't you call me for that. Don't no. call me for the airport. This will never. And I swear, I stand by that. Maybe for the past 15 years since I put that in, I do not make the same mistake twice. Mm. I will make mistakes, but I will not make the same one twice. And that's how I try to raise my daughter and try to, you know, raise my teens and everybody else that I work with that, hey, we're going to make mistakes. Don't beat yourself up for that, you know. But, you know, just don't make that same mistake twice. the end of the breakdown right there i I, I don't even want to add anything you know extra to that (laughs) that's how you do it you know what i'm saying so so now as we wrap up the show we get to the rotation where i play three songs that have been in constant rotation for you so kill i need you to pick three songs that have been in rotation for you lately doesn't matter if it's new old or whatever it is song number one what you got for me uh, song number one would be Volcano Love by the Shindellas. All right, now. All right. The Shindellas, uh, this is Chuck Harmony, uh, is the producer. I forgot the writer's name, but that's their new group. So um, the Shindellas, uh, Volcano Love. Or is it just me? Can't Sleep, which is Big Boy and Sleepy Brown off their album, The Big Sleepover.
And then probably the last song will probably be uh, after last night, Silk Sonic with uh, Thundercat. Yes, sir. I'm a huge so, Thundercat fan. Yeah, those those are those are the three joints that have been in rotation for me. you for being on this joint man nah bro i had a ball like like no seriously like word is bond like i said i said it i meant it this is probably like the most fun i've had on a podcast <laughs> i love i love the whole breakdown of song i love the whole you pulling up tweets i ain't know what you must say like, <laughs> so I, I, I salute you bro like this is a dope podcast i i truly 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 had a ball on it i gotta get you on 5b bro. yeah yeah you know i'm here man you know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter. I'm just here willing and able to, you know, build, connect, learn. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah, literally... I got to have you on 5B, bro, because I, I love your energy. I love your spirit. So, yeah, we're we going we gonna to definitely connect more often. Man. Yes, sir. Most definitely. So, before we go, man, you know what I'm saying? You're a producer extraordinaire. You're a podcast host. You're a jack of all trades. Of course, you used to cut hair, man. So please tell the people where they can follow you, find you, all of your work. You know, because you got some banging beats, man. And I've told you oh, before, you. your drums is knocking, all right? And, and that's bro. something that's lacking in hip-hop. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. I pay attention to them drums, man. Thank you, man. Thank you, man. Um, with me, it's just Kill889 uh, on Twitter and IG. We'll make beats for food. Dot com is my website. Um, Apartment 5B is up there every week. 
Um, I post one of my mixtapes, so that's up there. Um, but yeah, just just follow me on Twitter, chop it up with me. Like I said, I'm not here to debate. You believe I, I had somebody tell me Smooth B was their GOAT MC. And I'm like, Smooth B from Nice and Smooth? Smooth B? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, wow. then, like, he started rapping. He's like, Smooth B, notorious, glorious. I'm like, yeah, nigga, I know who Smooth B is. But, <laughs> and again, I'm not like, oh, nigga, you stupid, you dumb, you this, you that. I'm like, now you're going to have to explain to me what the hell you heard from Smooth B. That has put him over Rakim and Nas and Jay-Z and everybody else. But, and again, and it's the same thing with Apartment 5B. I always say, like, there's no right or wrong answers. Like, if I pull you on, I just want to know your opinion on stuff. You know what I mean? I think it's the the misconception that it's always the old heads schooling the young boys. Like, even with my kid, you know, I'm like, yo, y'all got teachers talking to y'all all day. You coming to my teen center, I wanted, I want y'all to answer questions. I'm like, yo, what's up with this suicide shit, man? Like, that shit wasn't an option when I was coming up. Right. Explain suicide. Well, I'm like, yo, what's up with this? Y'all choking your girlfriend during sex? Like, when that shit become the thing to do? So... My, you know, I'm never that person who's like, oh, yeah, young people sit around and listen to me. It's like, nah, let's sit around and listen to each other. You know what I mean? And, and learn from each other. So, yeah, so that's where everybody can get at me, man. And again, bro, thank you so much for inviting me on, man. I, I, I truly had a ball. Yes, sir. Same here as well. Likewise, y'all, man. Catch y'all next week, man, for another episode. Thank you so much for joining all of us. Take tapping in. New listeners, old listeners, it's all love, man. Peace and love. My name is Doug.